God be the glory. It's uh, very gratifying that uh, we're able to fulfill Dr. Falwell's original vision, which is to play at the very highest level. Guys, I want to tell you, you're representing so many people today. You are living out what people started many years ago. You are walking on their shoulders, their foundation. You make up your mind that you leave this field today with absolutely no regrets that you'll remember. That you left it all out there and you come back in here and I gave it all for Liberty University, my teammates, my coaches. We'll do it together, for we can. For we, we can. can do all things. Do all things. Through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us. Strengthens us. Each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Play with play! All right, all right, all right. You are listening to a Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan, and I am joined by creator, founder, and all things a Sea of Red, John Manson. And uh, this is an exciting episode. We have men's basketball season preview. John, I know that you and I, our first love is uh, always hoops. We know its place at the school, and uh, and we just love having uh, Richie McKay as a guest on the show coming up. Um, so exciting episode for sure. Can't wait to dive into basketball a little bit later. But first, we would uh, be remiss if we didn't go back and uh, capture our thoughts on the first loss of the football season. Here we are Thanksgiving week, uh, late November with our first football loss. So I would just, I guess my first question, John, is how hard did you take this loss compared to other losses and how long did it linger with you? I, I guess uh, would be my question uh, just to see if I'm on, on point here with where I am. So, John, how you doing? And uh, what is your response to uh, the football game? Chad, I was just trying to get to Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday with my family and still be undefeated, you know. Never had that feeling for any of my football teams. Uh, obviously, Liberty Basketball had that last year, but that's not as impressive only a couple of weeks into the season. But, no, I mean, it. you know, as a fan, you know, we ride so high and, you know, fall so low on wins and losses. And, you know, I kind of forgot, I guess you can't really ever forget, but I did kind of forget how bad it feels to actually lose a game. I mean, it's just kind of feel down in the dumps for a period of time. And uh, that's certainly the case Saturday night and into Sunday, even it still even lingers a little bit now, especially when got NC State fans talking smack on social media and message boards and things and you can't really respond because your team lost and that's something as Liberty fans football fans we haven't experienced in nearly uh, a full calendar year it was November 23rd 2019 when the Flames lost at Virginia and since then it's been nothing but winning and I kind of did an article on the CRED about that um, on Monday and just talking about you know this these last 10 wins uh, the last 12 months, you know, winning, becoming bowl eligible for the first time in school history, winning uh, the first ever bowl game, beating Syracuse and the first ACC opponent, making the top 25, and then beating uh, Virginia Tech, which was all you know, such a – we're all riding such an emotional high during that entire time. And, um, you know, so it's, it definitely – it hurts to lose. Um, it hurts to lose the way we did with a, you know, the blocked kick there at the end. But – um, at, you know, having time to kind of step back, it's good to, uh, you know, realize what this team has accomplished. And at the end of the day, we're eight and one, 27th, if you go out that far in the top 25 polls and two and one against ACC teams, any one of us would, 
would take that in a heartbeat if if we would have talked about that back in August or September. So uh, all in all, feel feel pretty good. Yeah, I would say that the way it happened kind of felt bad in the moment. You saw that thing get kicked, and you know he, the kicker has just been on such highs already this season and lows, and <clears throat> you know it's the way it happened kind of didn't it stung. But to be honest with you, John, I uh, we accomplished our goal here. What five games into the season? When we were trying to be bowl eligible, that's what this program sets out to do as an independent is be bowl eligible. And we accomplished that three games ago. And, uh, you know, so it kind of feels like all of this is just gravy on top. So it, I think it helped, helped it slide off a little bit. Um, the next morning, woke up feeling like, yeah, we missed a big opportunity here. We, we could have been New Year's Six. But all that was kind of like a dream anyways. Didn't really feel like a realistic goal. And I think once we recalibrated mid-season after we got that five, I think Liberty fans, I know myself, I think I recalibrated in my goal for the year, and I hadn't heard anybody say this, so, like coach-wise or uh, affiliated with the program, but I think my goal as a fan is let's make a bowl game, let's have a good bowl opponent, uh, P5 preferable, or a good G5 like UCF we're seeing in some of your preview articles. But – I think my goal is to finish in the top 25. How cool would that be to finish the season top 25, have that, that momentum riding all the way in the next year where you would think that with, you know, if, if the coach returns, if the, if the quarterback returns, you would think that we had to be preseason top 25 finishing this year, 20, top 25 would be pretty cool. So I think that's kind of my goal. And uh, with that being said, I was kind of bummed about the loss. But then yesterday when I saw the the rankings come out, we were still second receiving votes for top 25 with the opportunity to beat UMass, an FBS team, and beat Coastal, uh, a top 25 program, top 15, I believe, program right now. So we have the opportunity. And if we win a bowl game, we have the opportunity not only to be top 25, we have the opportunity to be in the top 20 and almost cement ourselves as preseason top 25 next year. So I know it's kind of a long answer to say, hey, look, it felt bad the way it happened. But when you look at the reality of it, we've accomplished our goals. Even the new goals that I kind of had in my mind as a fan of finishing the season top 25 and winning a bowl game, those are still accomplishable. It's nothing, no harm, no foul. It stunk the way it happened. I really don't like NC State all that much. And and so it stinks to lose to them. But at the same time, oh, it also stinks to miss that huge opportunity to potentially be in the New Year's Six Bowl, but at the same time, it feels like we can. Everything is still ahead ahead of us. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Just, just quickly, what was your thoughts on the game plan? Why, why was the offense sputtering? How did the defense look? You were there in person. How did the defense look? Were they just playing aggressive? What was your just takeaway from the from the game itself? Yeah, I mean, the defense played great. Their best game they played probably all season, I would say, uh, to be able to hold NC State kind of a high-powered offense from the ACC to just 14 points. Obviously, well, really 13 points because they went for two and didn't get it. But, you know, obviously the the um, safety there kind of goes against the offense. But, um, you know, the, the, the Wolfpack had negative 18 rushing yards in the third quarter. So, they, they kind of were able to dominate us the first 28 minutes or so of the game on both sides of the ball. Um, we were really fortunate to only be down seven at that point in time. And 
you know, then, you know, Malik and, and the offense kind of came down there the last two, three minutes of the game and, and tied it up to go into the locker room, which gave us a lot of momentum. And we kind of took that, you know, and regained the lead there in the third quarter and took that deep into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, so obviously, you know, I, I said this on Twitter during the game Saturday nights, you know, if the score held, you know, when Liberty was winning 14 to nine, uh, without a doubt, Scott Simons, the defensive coordinator, deserved to be uh, be given the game ball and chosen as a, as the MVP of the game. He he obviously had a great game plan for the team. Defense, you know, did a little bit of the bend but don't break. Uh, NC State had three trips into the red zone there until their last one uh, when they scored a touchdown on their fourth trip deep into the game to take the lead. But you know, and of course, they didn't even get to the red zone there until. You know, they intercepted Malik's pass. They were inside the 30, so they basically got the ball in the red zone. But their first three trips to the red zone, they only scored once. You know, their first drive of the game, they drove down, missed a field goal, and they scored a touchdown later in the in the second quarter. Then they got into the, the red zone again there in the third quarter and ended up having to throw an – they threw an interception that was picked off by Cedric Stone at the goal line. So um, the defense did a great job holding them to seven points. You know, NC State, they did – Coach Reese said after the game – you know, they were so athletic on defense and, you know, we were unable to kind of match their athletic ability. And it was, a, um, you know, first time I've ever seen that. And you really saw that with Malik. I mean, they, they really did a great job, not just pressuring him, which they did throughout the night, but also containing him. You know, we've seen teams get pressure on him before, but he able to make a, a move, make a man or two miss, and then he can run for, um, you know, 15, 20 yards and keep the chains moving. But that wasn't the case against NC State Saturday night. He, um, you know, would be able to make a guy miss, but then he had three others there standing in his face and um, was unable to, to, to get, get much ground work going. The other thing from the offensive side of the ball is Liberty was unable to get the, the ground game going. I mean, you know, all season long, even against Syracuse and Virginia Tech, the first two power five opponents the team played, you know, they would sit there and run the ball and pick up three, four, five yards on first down pretty much at ease. Uh, that wasn't the case against uh, NC State. You know, those three, four, five-yard gains were going for nothing or maybe one yard, and that kind of changed the complexion of the game um, and the offensive game plan. Um, you know, it's disappointing, but, you know, like we said, it's, you know, the team the team went toe-to-toe with an ACC team for the third third time this season. Uh, one play goes goes a different way, and you could choose five, six, seven plays that that would happen that way. And uh, Liberty's three and zero against ACC teams this season, so pretty remarkable the trajectory this program is on, and pretty remarkable the type of season that this has been already. Yeah, totally agree. <clears throat> and uh, you know, one of, to use one of Freeze's uh, phrases, he uses on Monday mornings. We got to throw this one in the trash. Get ready for UMass. That feels really good to throw this one in the trash and uh, kind of forget about it. So uh, that is uh, kind of where we stand with football. We got an easy, easy game coming up. We're a 40 plus point favorite against UMass. No way we should drop that one unless uh, something crazy happens. And then we got a big showdown with Coastal. Looking forward to that. Um, John, let's listen to that Coach McKay interview. He is always so gracious. I, I kind of said it yesterday, um, but he walks the balance between being very humble, like over-the-top humble, and also very confident at the same time. I, it's, it's a balance that a lot of us try to find, and it seems like McKay and his profession has found that balance of being able to be confident in his abilities, confident in his team, you know, have that, 
desire to win and just be completely competitive, but at the same time be extremely humble and gracious. So uh, I love spending time hearing him talk and especially about um, LU men's basketball. So lucky to have McKay here. Looking forward to big things from the team this year. So let's listen to that. And then uh, John and I will come back and break down the season. All right. We have with us Coach McKay. Uh, Coach McKay, thanks for taking the time. And uh, we're really looking forward to the uh, basketball season upcoming. So first is just what is your confidence level that we're going to have a season? How crazy has it been to prep for the schedule and just all of the different protocols and whatnot? And just what is your confidence level that we'll be able to have a season? And I'm sure you guys have so many contingent plans in place if COVID strikes and, and what all you guys have to do. But can you just talk a little bit about this, how crazy the prep for this season has been compared to all of your others? Yeah, sure thing, Chad. First of all, uh, thanks for having me on, man. And uh, I said this off the air to you, but uh, every Flames fan really enjoys the way you guys cover uh, Liberty Athletics. It's, it's, it's really, really special. And uh, I, I know being uh, being someone that doesn't have a social media presence, I'm I'm always really blessed with my wife or when Steven uh, tells me uh, or shows me some of the stuff you guys do and uh, you've branded our, you've helped brand our program in a special way. In regards to your question about confidence in terms of having a season, well, I'm really confident that there's going to be an NCAA tournament. I think the ramifications, if there weren't, would be uh, cataclysmic in, in terms of um, the inability to finance not only uh, member institutions, but also the NCA. We, they need the uh, revenue that's generated from that, you know, 800 plus million a year. The tournament affords um, our our game. So I, I know there'll be a tournament. I just think there's going to be, and this is the approach that we ask our guys to take. Hey, just enjoy the day. Just try and get a little bit better today. See if we can't pour into being the best version of ourselves for the next. 24 hours because that's all we're promised. And uh, in in terms of scheduling, I mean, we're a, we're five days, six days from tip off, and uh, and our schedule just changed again today. You'll probably hear an announcement a little bit later. So th- that's just been something that is beyond our control. And uh, again, if you if you focus on uh, the complaint of it instead of the privilege that we get to do something we love. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna be stuck in the wrong lane. So we're we're just trying to take it. And sorry for the coach speak, but take it uh, one day at a time to see if we can't uh, improve in the day that we're given. So I know that uh, with our run that we made in basketball two years ago, and then and then won the championship again, uh, the conference championship again last year, and then football kind of coming in and having this crazy run this year. I know Ian kind of says they all go together, but from your perspective as the head men's basketball coach, how much does football success help you guys? And then how much does your success help the brand for the athletics and football specifically? Is it kind of all work together or do you see it more as an independent, like, okay, if our program has success, that's, that's more on the basketball. Just, can you just talk about the overall just athletic success that comes from either your football or your basketball program? being a national national name and having some uh you know exposure that way yeah uh, really good question Uh, first of all i think and again i'm not just saying this i think there's really unbelievable coaches that ian mccall and 
our athletic department has attained. They're, I mean, across the board, I'm not going to name them all because I'd leave someone out. But in, in our Olympic sports, we, we have tremendous coaches. Though football and basketball, men's basketball, usually are the ones that are uh, the most uh, covered or highly publicized. I, I, think, I think it all goes hand in hand in terms of when you have success and people are talking about you or you're on um, national publications or, or television a ton. I think there's a branding that takes place that, that validates your program and, and what you're doing. I mean, last year, I think we started 14-0. and 0 and didn't lose until <clears throat> LSU after Christmas. And I, I don't know if many people remember, but we were right on the cusp of being the top 25 team. And that that was unbelievable. And we finished, I think, in the mid-major poll, number four, and even finished in the coaches and the AP poll as others receiving votes last year. So it's really a credit to our guys and, uh, and how hard they labored to get our program uh, to be as competitive as it is, especially – in what was a relatively short time. But what football's done has been really amazing. Again, to have a team that is ranked 21st and 22nd and 8-0, I just think Coach Freeze and staff, their their players, they boy, they've really done a great job. And, you know, we 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 typically do our recruiting a little bit ahead of most people. I know you know that, Chad. But So we, we haven't really felt the residual in terms of recruiting, but we certainly have. Uh, have been validated by many others in terms of conversations, text messages, or things that I've read and heard about our athletic department's uh, uh, success. So let's hope and pray that we can keep growing and uh, but make sure that that success doesn't become our identity. We, we want to keep that balance. So now that we are officially out of the Vine Center, I know that I personally have tons of cool memories in there of when it was super loud and you know especially the last the ace on championship game from last year the place was packed and, and it just felt like a great venue for basketball but i also have memories where you know it's over thanksgiving break christmas break or you know it's it's a mid-season game where we only have three thousand people in there and it kind of feels like cavernous that three same three thousand people in the new liberty arena if we're allowed to go in there this season <clears throat> It's going to feel a lot different because kids. So can you just talk about how huge of an impact that's going to be for a game day experience for fans like myself who just love to come and get that energy from everyone else? You know, the difference between being 3000 in the vines versus 3000 in LAC and just how that's going to be, uh, be different. And then can you just talk a little bit about, you know, maybe the vines was a little bit too big for a basketball uh, venue for college athletics. Well, like you, I've got a lot of special memories in the vines and are certain we're certainly appreciative of all the players, coaches, and fans that have helped uh, advance Liberty basketball, men's and women's that have uh, been a resident in that venue. But man, Chad, when I tell you this new arena, it is, it is beautiful. I think the, 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 first of all, the commitment that the administration and, uh, and the athletic department had, uh, to to wreck this building for uh, our men's and women's basketball program and women's volleyball, uh, it's we're, we're honored. When you walk in there, you're gonna you're gonna see a first class, state of the art arena. And I, I heard when I think pictures were just being <clears throat> shown from social media that it was too small. It was too small. When when we played at Duke, 
the toughest place to play in the ACC when I was at Virginia was Duke. And that lower bowl is probably the equivalent of, of in Cameron Indoor what our arena is. And when you get that many people um, in a close proximity, uh, cheering, standing, yelling at the officials, um, I'm sorry, uh, yelling at the other team, and uh, it creates such a difficult atmosphere and such a great home court advantage. I just think the intimacy of that building is gonna, it's gonna be worth a few points for us. And I'm really excited for our fans to see it. I know uh, based on the governor's ordinance that, that there, it's limited in its capacity uh, as of now. Uh, but if, if, and if that's the case and we have to wait until next year, it'll be well worth the, the wait for anyone that walks through those doors. They're gonna, they're gonna wanna come back, especially if we do our part in giving them a really good product to support. So we're losing a uh, a ton of great players in Liberty history. I mean, the most winning teams. We got four seniors that are headed out that that really impacted the program in a mighty way. And you know, I think Cuffy's alluded to this a lot in his quotes that basically this is an opportunity for other guys to step up. And you know, we're very thankful and respectful of what those guys accomplished. But at the same time, this is the opportunity for more minutes and just more um, more you know opportunities for these guys to step up so given that who do you think oh, i'm going to ask you to single out one guy who do you think is going to basically step up and compared to their role last year um maybe have a bigger role or just seize that opportunity this year who's somebody that comes to mind and says yeah maybe maybe they were buried behind the four seniors or maybe that opportunity wasn't there and this year we're really looking forward to something special from them yeah, it's not fair if you only give me one guy. We lost four seniors. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, okay. I'll give you a couple then. You're right. Yeah, no, I, again, it, it's college basketball. So if, if we could have re-signed Caleb, Mayo, Scotty, and Georgia, we would have. But uh, it, uh, it, it's, it wasn't allowable. That being said, I think one of the things that, that we forget with those guys' departure is that they help attract a really, really good underclassman. And I think the talent that we have uh, accrued, accrued uh, in Shiloh Robinson, Kyle Rode, uh, Micaiah Abi, uh, Isaiah Warfield, Jonathan Jackson, Drake Dobbs, we, we just have some, ah, we have some really versatile, talented individuals that are still getting used to our system. But to answer your question, obviously Darius McGee and Elijah Cuffey, who were uh, all full-time starters last year, their roles become uh, much more important. And both of them have the character, the work ethic, and the teamship uh, to handle those roles. But we're going to need a Blake Preston, a Shiloh Robinson, and a Kyle Rowe to really solidify our, our front court. And again, we had a starting five-man in the combination of Scotty and Mayo that averaged some 20, 22 points and 11 or 12 rebounds. Those are great numbers for a five man and the versatility that each of them brought with one substitution could change what we did both offensively and defensively. So the hardest thing about the pack defense, Chad, the, the pack line defense is it takes time. And the longer you're in it, the better you get at it. So I mentioned those guys that I think will step up and have a bigger role. But again, in this program, you got to be able to defend and and within our system in order to get uh, minutes that you want. So I think that's just going to be a a process that I hope everyone will be patient with. We we just don't have the luxury of of being old this year, and 
And again, when you hear about our schedule, you're going to ask, what is he doing? Uh, and, and the short answer will be, you know, we're, we're trying to brand our program nationally. And this is, this is the kind of schedule that uh, our guys really want to play. And if not for the pandemic and, and the restrictions that uh, maybe others are under, we probably wouldn't have been able to attain a schedule like this. So uh, I hope uh, two weeks from now you, uh, you still want to do a podcast with me because it, uh, it's going to be a, a, a very challenging beginning of the season. Oh, we're looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. So <clears throat> I have a ton more to ask you about, but um, we'll, we'll catch up down the road and, uh, and hopefully you guys have a good season. I'll leave you with this. I, every time we've talked over the past couple of years, I've asked you, hey, coach, what is it like recruiting kids to the pack line? What is it like getting fans into the stadium for a pack line style defense and, and slowing the ball down? Does that hurt you in recruiting? Is that, I've asked you that every time, and your response has been pretty similar over the three or four times I've asked. You've said, well, do you like winning basketball games? <clears throat> and, and my response is, yeah, of course, we like winning basketball games. So how, how much has that changed in, in just recruiting and then fan base? Do you think that having coming off the championships consecutively, um, do you think that that kind of uh, – you can now confidently say, hey, guys, look, yeah, yeah, the pack line's this brand of basketball, but it's also a winning brand of basketball. Does it carry a little bit more weight now than it used to a couple of years ago when you were just introducing it, especially to the fan base? You know, honestly, I, I don't I, – I'm not on the the internet or the message boards to, to know what the fans are thinking. I, I know what we did at Virginia and how we built the program there, and I just – I believe in, in this system now. The misnomer chat is we're, we're not a slowdown team. You, you ask our guys, man, we want to get a great shot. And if you got room and rhythm and you're a three-point shooter, fire away. Like we're, I don't think we play a, an, um, an, an uninteresting style or a style that's an eyesore to watch. I, I think, and I've been to many of sold-out games in JPJ, I think your fans, they, uh, they appreciate the way you play, whether it's you lead the league in scoring or you're the toughest to score against. And I think that's certainly been true here. And honestly, lastly, I'll close with this. It has not affected our recruiting one iota. We, our style has been embraced by the ones that we've recruited because I, I think uh, everyone wants to be a part of a program that is experienced some success. And uh, so, uh, again, we feel like we're fortunate to have a university that, you know, has the mission that we do because it, we attract such a, high character, sacrificial person in nature that wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Awesome coach. Really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I'd say you're attracting those kids. Uh, Brody's averaging 40, uh, 40 a game so far this year. So pretty incredible stuff there, but really looking forward to this season. We'll definitely catch up down the road. Thank you so much for your time and uh, good luck this season. All right, so we're headed into Liberty men's basketball season here this week. It is. It starts with a flurry. It starts with a, just a, an amazing set of games here. Most, I think all four of them will be on TV, some on CBS, some on ESPN. But, John, it's finally Liberty men's basketball season. It feels like a year ago, feels like 10 years ago, and feels like 10 days ago, all at the same time that we were in the Vines watching uh, Liberty and Coach McKay cut down the nets in our second straight A-Sun championship. An incredible experience. Uh, the place was rocking. What a way to send out the Vine Center 
And just with that, that amount of people and that type of win felt so good. And, uh, and then we had COVID strike shortly after and shut everything down. So it feels like we've come a long way, but we're still dealing with the same pandemic and uh, not really sure how it's going to affect the season. I do know that I'm very excited to watch the games. Got a little bit of unique scheduling going on. We got some, uh, some weird things happening, you know, on the fly. And then even conference play is going to be a little different this year. So, John, it's finally basketball season. What, what is up with this tournament? How do we get this tournament? And, uh, you know, this isn't unlike a McKay-type schedule um, in recent memory is coming out and playing these guys and, and getting that many, that many top-tier teams on the schedule right up front. So how do you think this came about? And uh, what it, tell us a little bit about the tournament and uh, what you expect. Well, we'll definitely know a lot about the team here in another week or so. Um, you know, four games in five days starting on Wednesday against Purdue and the Space Coast Challenge. And, you know, you kind of alluded to it because of COVID, um, you know, Liberty's basketball schedule, like the football schedule, kind of got reworked last minute. And, um, you know, neither of these tournaments, two-game tournaments, were on the schedule previously, and then they got at it. Um, you know, it'll be a great test for a young team. You got four new freshmen, five new players, you know, replacing the four seniors, which we've, we've all talked about a lot. But, yeah, it starts Wednesday against Purdue, which they're the 25th best team, according to Ken Palm, during the season. So that definitely be a big challenge. That game will be on CBS Sports Network being played down in Florida. Um, then on Thursday, the Flames will play either Mississippi State or Clemson, so another Power Five team on the docket then as well, uh, also on CBS Sports Network. And, and, you know, we all remember, you know, Mississippi State, that was a team Liberty, uh, you know, owns a win over an NCAA tournament just a couple of years ago. So uh, that would be kind of a cool storyline if we end up playing them. Then get a day off to travel uh, and take on South Carolina on Saturday. On, in a game that'll be on the ESPN News in a separate little two-game tournament, and then play the TC or Tulsa on Sunday. So, could play, you know, depending on how the games break Saturday and Sunday, could end up playing four Power Five uh, teams within the first week. Which Liberty hasn't played four Power Five teams in a given in a single season since uh, I believe Dale Air was head coach. So, it's, it's definitely unusual. Um, and then obviously the Flames got a, a series starting later this year uh, with. Uh, it's in December with Missouri. Um, you know, the SEC program will, will come to Lynchburg next year. This year, the, the tournament or the series starts out in uh, in Missouri, and then it's a two for one. So let me make two trips there and, and get the Tigers here once. So we'll learn a lot about about the Flames, this new new look team, uh, in, in a quick and short order. But uh, I look at looking forward to it. You know, heard have heard great things about the freshmen and some of the returners you know obviously we know about Cuffy and Darius McGee and what they bring but also looking to see what uh Kyle Road and a guy like Shiloh Robinson can do and uh increase roles this season you know we saw them in limited I, I shouldn't say limited they played pretty much every game but you know they had reduced roles obviously you know Liberty was a very late team last year with with four seniors and then Cuffy a guy who's played a lot and obviously McGee as well so looking forward to see what some of these younger guys can do. And, you know, it's a little bit of a rebuilding season. This is probably the first time we could ever say this for, for Liberty men's basketball. It's a rebuilding season, but at the same time, I think, um, you know, Liberty can compete for an A-Sun championship for a third straight season. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yes. I, I agree, John, with, with that. Basically, 
rebuilding but still contending that's that's kind of the way i would say it and that's uh that's kind of shows you where this program's at when you're in the middle of what you would call a rebuilding not to say that cuff and mcgee aren't going to be phenomenal players this year but <clears throat> rebuilding in the sense we just lost the greatest player in liberty history by a lot of people's opinion in caleb holmesley i mean the guy is just signed a contract with the wizards unbelievable player not just score but defender uh assist man he was a block shots he, he he was doing it all rebounding um so we lost a lot with caleb and we lost a lot with those four seniors they were all contributors so rebuilding in the sense that you know you're having to replace four seniors who were contributors the, the winning most players in school history it it almost feels like it almost feels bad to say rebuilding but that's where we are. You don't know where those top-tier players are going to be, and in that sense, we're rebuilding. But at the same time, we're picking pick second the A-Sun, Cuffy and McGee. Uh, Cuffy had the best game in the, in the A-Sun championship game last year, so he, was, he could be our most valuable player in a few of the games last year. McGee was our leading scorer several times last year, so it almost feels like a slight to say rebuilding we're still contending. So rebuilding and contending at the same time is a good place to be as a program. Um, let's do a little bit of a roster breakdown and then, uh, and then I'll get to sue some preseason kind of awards just quickly on the roster. Um, John, what are your, what are your thoughts on the, the pace of play, the style of play with the overall makeup of the roster, with the number of big men that'll be seeing minutes, the number of guards, do you think we'll be similar to last year? Or do you think McKay's going to have to switch his whole kind of system up this year and shoot more threes or maybe play more fast-paced? Or is anything going to change from last year? Or you think we can just plug and play the guys we have now? No, it's definitely a diff- different, uh, different uh, roster makeup. With you know, got you know, Scotty James and Miles Baxter Bell, you know, offered Liberty something that I don't think any other mid-major program had in the entire country. And that's, you know, you could get 40 minutes out of a big man that, you know, they average, you know, together. And, you know, you heard Co- Coach McKay say in the interview just there, somewhere around 22, 23 points a game and 10, 12 rebounds a game. And that's not something Liberty has. I mean, if you look at the roster, there might be one true post on the entire roster and Blake Preston. And he hasn't, you know, played much in his first, well, two years. He registered his first season, but he didn't play much last year. And, you know, so so it'll be interesting. I mean, you might even see Kyle Road playing at the quote unquote five at times. You know, Shiloh Robinson as well, and and I'm sure Blake will get some run too. And and you know, maybe Micaiah B will, uh, you know, one of their freshmen will get some time too. But you know, from what I know about B, he's more of a you know point forward is what he liked to describe himself. You know, coming in uh, out of high school uh, from Texas. So it'll be interesting to see the lineup make up that uh that free uh, freeze mckay has uh, been in football mode for so long but it'd be in- interesting to see the lineup makeup that mckay has going forward um obviously cuffing and, and mcgee will be on the court uh pretty much all the time just like they were last year and you take those four seniors out out uh they'll be on there as well but i'm really excited you know last year was an interesting season obviously very hyped coming off the ncaa tournament win and ac a sun championship uh, but we knew what to expect. We there weren't really, you know, you had Kyle Road coming in, and then Shiloh Robinson was kind of a surprise that we expected him to redshirt, but he came in. 
But, um, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to it this year. You know, a lot of unknowns, a lot of question marks, but it's exciting. You got, you know, the four young freshmen, um, Isaiah Warfield, the highest rated recruit in school history. Also, Jonathan Jackson, the younger brother of the uh, former North Carolina star that's in the NBA now. And um, also Drake Dobbs, a point guard that I think is probably the most game ready as far as, you know, coming incoming freshmen. And then, um, you know, I think I hit all four freshmen. Then you also got the uh, Chris Parker, the grad transfer from D2 Henderson State, uh, who's got a similar game to maybe a McGee type where, you know, he's an offensive playmaker, can get to the basket off the dribble and, and a good shooter. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Obviously, these first four games are going to be tough. but. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to to the challenges, and I think you know the tests will will really help as we get into you know January, February, and March, uh, where you make your money as a mid major in uh, in conference play. Yeah, so <clears throat> it kind of feels like I was thinking as you were saying that we don't know these guys at all, and we're going to get to know them very well over the next four four games here this week. Kind of, I was thinking it kind of feels like a speed dating app or a speed dating thing where. We don't know these guys at all, but we're going to get to know them very quickly here this week, and I couldn't couldn't be more excited about it. Um, the speed dating thing was very uh, very bad uh, example or metaphor, but I still I still rock with it. John, let's go on a speed round really quick. I was I would just kind of ask you some questions, preseason type award type things, and you give me your 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 right off the top of your head your first answer. So we'll go. We've been talking a lot about the freshmen. Straight off the top, which freshman will have the biggest impact on the season? Drake Dobbs. Okay. Uh, which incoming player do you think uh, will be a starter right away? Will it be Parker, Dobbs, you said? Who's going to start right away from guys we have never watched play before in a Liberty uniform? Um, I would lean towards Dobbs, but... I would originally I, I was thinking maybe Chris Parker would start at the point and then as the season went on Dobbs might take that job from him so it'll be interesting to see I, I don't know if that's still the case but uh can you also include Keegan McDowell uh he's he's kind of a newcomer <laughs> yeah that is if we haven't talked about Keegan much but you know it, yeah it'll be interesting to see how he fits back into the lineup it felt like playing time was kind of his main reason for wanting to possibly leave Liberty um, and, and, you know, so he's coming back. Is he going to earn that playing time? We'll see. I, I, we'll see what happens with Keegan. Okay. Next question. Who is best suited on our roster right now to shut down Azadula defensively? When we play Lipscomb, who do you think will be getting that defensive assignment? Asana Sajla from Lipscomb. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure Liberty has anybody that can really shut him down. I don't know if anybody in the A Sun has anybody to shut him down. I mean, uh, you know, I, w- I would think Shiloh Robinson would probably get the first crack at it. Maybe a Micaiah B, uh, Blake Preston. But, you know, about all Liberty can do is throw a bunch of bodies at him. But we saw even last year, um, Scotty James and Maya Baxter-Bell even struggled to slow him down. But but the key, nobody in the a is going to be able to really stop him. The key is going to be, you know, limit him as best you can, but, you know, beat them everywhere else. The other four positions on the roster – and, and maybe, you know, Liberty's able to go small and, and have a five-man that can stretch the floor and, and beat him off the dribble, you know, on defense. I don't know if he has the, the quickness to keep up with some of Liberty's forwards uh, if they're able to spread the floor out and space, space out some. So that, that'll be an interesting one. It's unfortunate Liberty has to play uh, the Bisons there 
first two games of conference play, both on the road with the uh, reworked uh, A-Sun schedule this season. But those are probably the top two teams in the league, I would imagine. Okay, last two. is First, we, we kind of kind of had a good idea who was going to be in the top in the scoring. But, John, who do you think will lead the team in assists and rebounds this year? Mm, that's that's Man, that's such a tough call. Um, I'll say McGee leads in assist. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he led the team in rebounding either, but um, smallest man on the court. Um, I'll say Kyle Rowe leads the team in rebounding. And last one is about the li- new Liberty Arena that opens today. We're recording on Monday. Um, when do you think we'll have our first sellout in the Liberty Arena? Well, probably not this season. How about the uh, season opener of the 2021-22 season, whoever it may be against? So you don't think we're going to have a full full, uh, full stadium at any point during this season, I guess? Well, Chad, I don't want to get into politics, but no, I don't believe that's going to happen. <laughs> John, I couldn't be more excited about Liberty men's basketball season started. This is where I fell in love with Liberty Athletics as the basketball program. It's just a it's just a unique thing where you got five guys you can see their faces instead of football where they're all wearing helmets and so on TV they really represent our school well they it's just a, it's just a different feeling I love what football's done this year and I'm really excited about it but basketball to me is one of those sports where you're you're really shine and you really when your basketball team does well you can really uh, put a great brand on for your school McKay obviously is is a legend and uh, excited to see what he's bringing to the table this year. And uh, yeah. And, and, and again, to your point, these are a bunch of unknowns makes it exciting. Again, last year we went in, we knew who our leading rebounder was going to be. We knew who uh, pretty much all of those stats. I just asked you, there was no silence. There was no pause. It was, we knew right away pretty much who would be up there this year. It could be some guy out of left field that we don't even know about, you know, like a guy like Keegan or Chris Parker or one of the freshmen. I mean, we got so many guys that could come in and contribute. So uh, looking forward to watching it all play out this week, four games in five days, and uh, we'll be right here for it. So thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, go Flames.